<laughs> Good morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. Hey, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting to realize um, how important Father's Day is when you lose your father. And uh, I lost my father on, in December of this last year, so this is the first Father's Day without my dad. And dads, you are important. And your importance is actually par- part of a legacy. It's not something that ends when you die. My, the influence of my father on my life continues, whether positive or negative. And it's the same way with you. And those of you that have lost a dad, we lost an important dad here with Eric. You know, I just, I just want to encourage you that uh, that legacy lives on in our lives in a big way. Amen? Those of you that don't have physical children, you have to understand that the, the fatherhood of God speaks of a different type of legacy than a physical legacy. And if, if you think that the legacy that you could leave as a spiritual father in people's lives doesn't count, tell God that. Right? So I just want to encourage you, whether you have physical children here or not, you should be birthing lives. Right? And investing in lives, dads. This is not my sermon. This is our prayer. (laughs) We're going to pray for the dads. So why don't we have all the men stand up? Because uh, hopefully everyone is, is, is being that spiritual father. Some of you are about to become fathers, which is fun. I saw my godson on Facebook posted that they're pregnant, and I was very excited about that. I won't tell you who that is because he told me not to announce it, so I won't. (laughs) I don't even know if he's in the room right now, so hopefully I didn't get in trouble today. Oh, good. (laughs) Can we, ladies, can we just lay hands on these men? Is that all right? You can stand up and do it if you want. Everybody can stand up. Lord, right now, we just thank you for this amazing gift of fatherhood, the legacy that it leaves in everyone's life. What a joy it is to know our Heavenly Father. And what a joy it is to have the dynamic, powerful experience of fathering, being fathered and fathering in our lives. What a great privilege it is We pray, God, that the men of the adventure and the men in our lives would stand up and parent at a new level, a level filled with the power of God, a level determined and directed by the call of God. Do you guys agree? A level that sees lives changed, whether physically or spiritually. Lord, do your thing. We just bless the dads. We thank you and honor them. When we honor you, Heavenly Father, as our great father example that we have, we'll talk a little about you today in the sermon. We thank you for your fathering in our lives. We ask God that we could just express and be a conduit of that in just a little way in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give dads a hand. Yeah. All right. 
Okay. So, y'all want to know what's going on? There's a lot going on. I have a whole page of news for us before we actually get to things. So the first thing is that we did present an idea of purchasing to the owner this last Friday. He didn't seem that interested, but he's mulling it over. All right? So this is the way God works. He works in mysterious ways, whether it's going to be this building or something else. We know that God is calling us forward. That's what I'm talking about today. The call of God and moving us forward and being ready for it. So he's mulling it over. It's kind of in his court right now. But we are in an exciting time. And that's what I want to address today in the sermon is the exciting time that we're in and being ready, keeping watch for God, keeping watch for God. Can we, oh, good, it came up. Okay, this is my art off of Google, and so if it looks really bad, it's all... We have a great sermon series starting in two weeks on Ephesians, and, and uh, it has a lot better art than mine. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I'm going to talk a little about us moving forward as a church, but I'm going to start with personal stuff and how it relates to me as well. Um, I like using this phrase, and you know how much I love Eric, and, and he has had an amazing influence on my life, so please don't take this in any offensive way whatsoever. This is really just out of love that I say this. What I'm about to tell you is Eric's fault. <laughs> it is. Because Eric went to be with the Lord... Every female in my life said, you're getting to the doctor. Every single one of them. They said, you're going to the doctor. Get checked. And it's for several reasons. First of all, uh, my entire male lineage uh, is, is racked with heart disease. My, my maternal grandfather died at the age I am. My paternal grandfather died at 70. My father died at 80 with heart, all heart issues. And so we thought we better check that out. Some of you might know that I love my bagels, lox, and cream cheese. No more pastrami for me. No, I don't know. I'm sure I could have a little, but I'm just imagining in my mind things changing in this area because I am such a foodie. I am such a foodie. I love food. And, and I just enjoy uh, making things for people and, and having people enjoy things that they've never thought of or tasted. And, and certainly, I enjoy tasting them too. And, uh, and so I'm a foodie. So that's another reason why I, I got checked. And then I did have some symptoms. My symptom, actually, I had a symptom. And that symptom was that when I climbed in the mountains or when I walked heavily, because I, I walked like almost four miles per hour on the treadmill, so it's a really fast walk because I have a bad back. So when I do either one of those things, I get out of breath. Duh. I thought that's normal, right? I thought it was normal. I didn't think it was a symptom. What do you think? Well, it was. <laughs> it was, and I, I was more out of breath than normal, and, and so they... They said, that's my symptom. So I got tested. 
I did an echocardiogram. Anybody ever do that? They shave your entire body for me. That was the first day. Because I'm a Jewish guy with a lot of hair. The second day they did the test. And uh, an echocardiogram is you're on the treadmill and you're running. They have, I literally had like 20 electrodes on me. And you're running on the treadmill or walking fast on the treadmill. And, and then they, they say, okay, stop. And you jump and you roll over onto this other um, table. And then, then they take an ultrasound like for babies. And you look at your heart. And I saw every valve. I saw my heart move. It was really cool. It was, it was fun. But um, what they came up with was, hey, it looks like something is clogged because um, your heart is working too hard on this one side. So the next step is to, uh, to do an angiogram. Um, uh, the night be- an angiogram, and then if they find something, a lot of times they'll do stents. You know what that is? It's like a, a little tube that they put in to kind of open up the blockage. So that's, that's what I was facing, and we were prepared to do that. We went in to do it, and um, the night before, I felt uh, there are a lot of things going on inside of me because there's some risk to that. It's, it's one of the lowest risk things that you can do related to the heart as far as intervention. It's not like op- open heart surgery where they cut you open. They actually go through, have a little dot right here. That's where they went through. And it's only like four days old, this little dot. They went in with a catheter, and they went straight up, and they went right to my heart. And we were looking at my heart together, all together. I wasn't even uh, being out fully. I was in twilight, and so I kept saying, what was that? (laughs) And they said, give him more, give him more. Shut this guy up. (laughs) So they shut me up finally. So some of the things that I felt before this procedure, because there, are, there is some risk. There is a, a, sh- a very, very small risk of uh, something breaking off in the... Um, there's a few things. Like uh, One is uh, to get a... Um, what's one of those things? Stroke, right. <laughs> to get one of those things. Uh, to get a stroke uh, because something breaks off and it kind of goes up there. Uh, another is like a perforation or something. These are really, really, really low-risk things, but you still... When you're thinking about it and you think, okay, they're going to really look. This is the definitive gold standard for what's going on inside of my heart. You think, okay, you're kind of on the precipice of something unknown. I've never been through anything like this before. And so there were a few things I felt. First of all, I felt like life is precious. I, I totally saw with new eyes how wonderful life is. What a joy it is to live. And, um, you know, I just want to encourage you, if, you, if you're going through difficult times in your life, you can still have what, jo- what Jody talked about last week, that joy and that appreciation f- for the life that you have. And I want to encourage you to do that because it, it's so important for our lives. And then next, that every moment has eternal possibilities and implications. Every moment. Every moment, I was thinking about every moment from that evening until the next day, besides my sleep time, I was thinking, like, what am I doing right now? Is it having the effect that it could have? Every moment. Can you imagine how many moments slip by in our lives? It's just crazy, huh? You could have whole days go by 
without something significant in your life or, or experiencing something significant in your life. I don't think that's the way we're supposed to live. I think God has given eternal significance to our lives throughout the moments of our life. And then another thing is that every person I know profoundly touches my life. And, you know, I, I had, and I didn't make this a big deal because it was a simple procedure <laughs> and it, it didn't have that high a risk. But I did, I did talk to my kids and my wife. And, you know, I just told them how much I love them. I said, if something happens, I want you to know this. And it wasn't long. It wasn't dramatic. But there were a lot of tears just because you realize at that very moment how important relationships are. That is probably the most significant thing that, that I learned on this path so far is about relationships. The next thing I, th- I thought is, I am safe. I'm safe. What a great thing to know that you're safe. It is a phenomenal thing to know that the doctors could say one thing, your heart could be doing another. Everyone around you might be a little worried, but you could know that you're safe. And I think it's amazing that someone who came to Christ because of anxiety as I've shared before, can look on the precipice of an angiogram to discover what's going on with his heart after all this terrible history and have peace. That's a significant thing. And I want to just diverge a little from from my sermon today to just say one thing. Jody talked about joy and how she was walking in joy even in the midst of the, the trial that she was going through. I am talking about peace even in the midst of significant blockages in my heart. Oh, I didn't tell you that part. How come I didn't tell you that part? Oh, so how come I didn't tell you that part? Oh, we're getting to it. <laughs> I'll tell you about it in a minute. Okay. So, uh, uh, but I'll tell you now, significant blockages, one, one side is 100% blocked, the other side is 95 and 90% blocked. The main artery they call the widow maker is completely clear, praise God. So, and, and there's some other arteries too, but the, um, there's significant blockages, all right? And I could, I could walk in peace. I could feel safe in the midst of this. And I, I just want to read this scripture to you. It, it's not in, on, the, on the screen. I'll just read it to you. It says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jody and I are not exceptional or unique. All we're doing is imitating the faith of others before us. And all you need to do is imitate that faith as well. To be able to walk in joy, to be able to walk feeling safe in God's hand, God's parenting, God's fatherhood, all you need to do is imitate that a little. I am not a great man of faith. All I am 
is someone who is just trusting God a little today. And somebody taught me that. And I hope Jody and I and others are teaching you this too because there's nothing like it. Nothing like it when, when the world has no hold on you and the fears, and we're getting to this in the sermon soon, has no hold on you. But you are able to be free to know that you're safe because your Father in heaven is watching over you. Regardless of circumstances, you can trust God. Amen? Amen. So that was the surprise from the angiogram. They were supposed to fix things if they found things, but they were too significant to fix. So they didn't do it. And they came in and they told us, and the first guy said, oh, that 100% blockage, we can't do anything with it. Finally, we had the head of the department come in. We had lots of people come in and talk to us. And he said, I'm pretty sure I can get that one. So the plan is, is soon, eventually, who knows when, but it's not my decision on this. The doctors are going to get together and the head of the department and his top person are going to get together and do this because it's a difficult um, stenting procedure. And they're going to work on that first 100% first. If they get that, then they're going to do all the others, which are simple. And if they don't, they're going to stop and they're going to do open heart surgery later on. So that's the plan for me. Um, they said I had to be on a Mediterranean diet now. I said, great, that means pizza every day. <laughs> this is amazing diet. I should have found out about this much sooner. Yeah, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> Pizza's Mediterranean? <laughs> Without the bread, what about the cheese? Double cheese? You can have cheese? I don't know if they'd say that. So why am I sharing this with you? Because trials like this are a gift from God. They are truly a gift from God to remind us of his promises, to remind us of the gift of life, and to remind us of God's call. What a thrill to be able to share this sermon with you today with the realization that something is going on in my life and I can trust God like I've never trusted him before. And I am exhilarated for it. Okay, don't move too much. I'm kidding. I can jump around still. It's okay. People were kind of hugging me gingerly today. I thought, you don't have to do that. I'm okay-ish. <laughs> I would never have known this if I was not called to keep watch, which is what this sermon is about, by Eric in his passing. That is one of the great things. It woke me up. said, I should probably get this checked and see what's going on. Are we keeping watch for what God is leading us in in this time as individuals, and as a church? That's the question I'd like to pose for us today. What is keeping watch? Very simply, it's being ready for God. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, being ready for God. Are you ready for God today? Are you ready for God to pluck you out of your situation, wherever it is, and tell you that what you thought that you were healthy in this area, you are not anymore. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for God to tell you, I want you to sell this and give it to the poor? Your prized possession. 
Are you ready for God to say, I want you to move to the Philippines? And I'm not going to tell you the plan until you get there. Are you ready for God to tell you and lead you in your life? We need to be ready as a church because God has a call on us as a church. Amen? God has a call on us. We are moving forward. And so I think it's very appropriate that as we, as we this is kind of a, a mini-series for a couple weeks, talking about the building, talking about moving forward and what God's leading us in. And I think it's very appropriate that we talk about being ready because God is calling us forward. Are you ready? Are you ready? Some... Jesus approached, and they were not ready in their hearts, and Jesus passed them by. Right? You've read about those people in the Bible, or they've walked away because they were not ready in their hearts. And some, he said, ah, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Why did he say that? He was saying because it was obvious they were keeping watch. You know a good example of someone who's keeping watch? Anna in the Bible. It said she was, she was a prophetess, right? She was a prophetess. It's one of the most important gift, uh, giftings in the church and in, in, in history is prophecy, speaking God's words to God's people. And she, as a leader, was, was in the temple as a prophetess prophesying And it said she never left the temple. She was old, and she never left the temple. And then, ha, then, as she kept watching that temple, what did she do when that baby boy walked in? She declared him the Messiah. What a glorious thing to keep watch for. Amen? We are called to keep watch. Are we doing it? I just love watching Josh play ice hockey. That's his sport. And it's just fun seeing him get knocked around. I love seeing him in particular getting knocked around because he's bigger than me. I can't knock him around anymore. So I say, go get him. And uh, it's interesting because he plays defense a lot. You have to skate backwards. I can't even skate forwards, but he can skate backwards. And, and the idea is to anticipate where that person who has the puck, who's advancing, is going to go. And you have to completely be right there, right there, right there, keeping watch, keeping watch. Wherever that person's going, you're looking for his eye movement. Oh, he's going that direction, or he's going that direction. Otherwise, you lose the guy because he has the advantage. He's going forward. Why do we have to keep watch? Because God is moving forward in our lives and in our church, the Adventure Church. So I'm going to give you six things that talk about how to help us keep watch, all right? Six things. And this is in, uh, in Luke chapter 12. And the first thing is adjust your trust. Oh, I like that slide. That's good. I'm going to admire my artwork. <laughs> Adjust your trust. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, 
or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, yet they have no storeroom or bond, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, let I tell you. Not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagans run after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The world's focus is making sure that we have everything that we need. We must make sure of that. This is the motivation behind every person in the world. I must get what I need. Whether you're a multi-billionaire or you're in the streets of the Philippines, poor, the motivation is, I must get what I need. That is the focus of the world. God's instruction and his focus for us is very, very different. So if you want to keep watch, if you want to be ready for God, this is the very first thing that you have to resolve in your soul. What is your focus? Ravens are looking for food. Lilies are being clothed. But are we not much more valuable than they? According to God, we are. And they do nothing for it. Nothing. How much more valuable to God are we than them? It is emphasized and emphasized and emphasized, and then it is supremacized in the cross of Christ that we are valuable to God and that the, he will stop at nothing, nothing, to make sure that we have what we need. Adjust your trust. It says four times in this, in this section, do not worry, do not worry. This is my mantra <laughs> as a good Jewish New Yorker. Do not worry. And why? Why? Because our Father, our Father. Why do we not have to worry? Because we have a Father. That's profound, you guys. On Father's Day, you should know that this is something that could change your life if you understood the fatherhood of God and how protected we are. Our Father knows that we have needs. And what does it say? Instead, seek his kingdom. Make him the first priority. 
This is the way to keep watch, is to make God your first priority. Seek the kingdom first. Know that everything else will come. Can you see how this has to be first in order to move on to any of the other things? Because if we are constantly worried, our attention, our eyes can never be where we're at like that hockey player watching, watching God. Where are you going, God? How are you leading me? No. Because we're out chopping wood so that we get warm. We're out, you know, doing the things we need to do in order to take care of ourselves instead of trusting God with that. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. It means our focus is on something else and we know that those other things will be provided according to God's promise. Seek first the kingdom of God and you will also get what you need. This is the reason why I love this season we are in as a church because we are entering a season where we have to trust God more than we ever have for the physical home that he has called us to be in whether it's here or somewhere else. You guys, this is an opportunity to grow. It is. It's thrilling. I was telling everybody on Friday after the meeting and it was ambivalent what was going on. I said, this is thrilling. I love this. And it reminded me of of moving here to Utah because it's that same thing. It's like I was clueless what's going to happen. There was no promise of a salary or being able to support myself here in Utah. God just said, go. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about the rest. And so I went. We took the whole family. We left our family. And we went. What a thrill that was. I'll tell you, that was one of the greatest points of growth for us as a family was trusting God in that move. And so I see this wonderful opportunity that we have as a church that we are going to walk in his promises. We are going to get out of the boat and we are going to, our faith level is going to grow dramatically because we're going to believe God. Are you excited about that? It's thrilling. It's thrilling. Can you imagine Jesus speaking to you about your worries? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. You know what your worries are. Think about it right now. What are your worries? What are you worried about? What you've been focusing on is off topic. You don't need to worry about those things. Do not be afraid. Your father has been pleased. Pleased. I love this section. Don't worry because your father has been pleased to give you a pittance. No. The kingdom. What is he saying there? Everything. Everything. God has given us. Everything. And we do not have to fear. In order for us to really be prepared to keep watch, we have to get off the worry treadmill. We have to get off of it and stay off of it. 
You can't, you can't be on that worry treadmill and think, oh, I got to work hard. I got I to get a promotion. I have to move wherever, wherever my job leads me. You know, don't be motivated by that, right? You shouldn't be motivated by promotions or, or things like that. Be motivated by the kingdom. And you're, you're running around like this, and you're thinking, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Oh, man, get off of it. Get off of the treadmill. That is the world's system. And you do not have to be on it. That doesn't mean you don't work. You do work. He who doesn't work doesn't eat, the Bible says. But you don't have to worry. You don't have to be motivated by it. And you have to stay off. And that's always my issue is I get on every once in a while. It's just, you know, the way I am. You know, it's the way we all are. We just get on and we start moving. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that new worry. I have a new worry. I better get on. It's legit. I have a new worry now. (laughs) My heart's blocked. I better start worrying, right? Better start worrying. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, so I get on again, but I don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. If you want to keep watch with God, if you want to be ready for God to move, try to stay off of the worry treadmill. Next, adjust your treasures. First is adjust, adjust your trust. Second is adjust your treasures. If you want to keep watch, adjust your treasures. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I was, I watched my favorite, 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 favorite movie the other day. It's called Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Anybody ever see it? Anybody? Wow. I guess it's only my favorite movie. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, it was uh, put out in the 70s. Some of you weren't born then. Huh? A Western, yeah. It's about St. Francis of Assisi and how, and how he got saved. I love it. It was directed by Franco Zifarelli, which was a great, he was a great film artist of, of that day who just did beautiful, beautiful art on the screen and, and created great images, and I, I love watching it. But I especially like watching what happens to him because it's so, it's so amazing to think that, um, you know, this secular production company would put together this great work of talking about the salvation of someone who really changed a lot of lives, you know? And uh, he used this scripture when he was being saved, as, uh, well, at least in the film. I don't know if he did it in real life. But in the film, they wrote this scripture in. And it, it, the picture was amazing. Here he was in this medieval town, right? And, and the church regalia and the, and the governmental regalia were up on the steps and they were all dressed in just the most gaudy things you could possibly ever imagine with gigantic collars that went up to here and just crazy, crazy stuff, right? And, and he's down in it and, and he's not wearing very much, but he's, he's wearing, you know, the regalia that he would as a, a wealthy son in that town. And, and he, he starts pulling off these things, off of his, 
his clothes off. His, his dad was, was a merchant, a, a cloth merchant, and he was, he was very much into money. As a matter of fact, there's a scene earlier where they talk about how they're going to uh, make so much money in the war that, uh, that St. Francis went off to, to fight. Uh, and, and they had this whole plan about how they were going to make money because of this war. So he's a very motivated by money type of guy. And, and here is his son pulling off all his clothes. And in the end, he's speaking the scripture and he just walks off into the sunset with nothing, with nothing except the kingdom, except the kingdom. So amazing. He was the most free he had ever been that day. He gave it all away for treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. What is treasure and why does it determine where our heart is? Treasure is the thing that we love, that we feel like we need to have. And it determines where a heart is. You know where your heart is based on what you treasure in your life. So if you want to keep watch, you must adjust your treasures. It's okay to realize, whoa, I put far too importance on this thing, right? There's one area that I really had to adjust my treasure um, quotient in, and that was in cars, because I really like nice cars. You'd never think it from the car I drive. I drive a, um, I don't even know what year it is, a 1995 Honda Accord, a really old car. How? It's like 20 years old, right? It's over 20 years old, this car. And I drive it, and, and believe me, it was an adjustment of my treasures, because I would love to have one of those new cars with all those gadgets that you guys have. You know, there's a lot of fun gadgets out there. I have like this analog thing that goes like this. I have a stick shift. There's nothing automatic about my car. I have to do everything by myself. I have to start it up like the Flintstones car, you know. (laughs) And I had to really adjust my treasures. But I want treasure in heaven. I want treasure in heaven. Judas is an interesting example here. Judas is an interesting example here because he had every opportunity to worship and love and follow Jesus. He was right there in the inner circle, right? Right there. He heard everything Jesus said. He ate with Jesus. He slept with Jesus. He listened to Jesus' teachings. He watched Jesus do miracles. He did all these things. He could have sought him first and not anything else. But he betrayed Jesus. And I've heard people say, how could could anybody do that? And being in that environment and seeing all of that, how could he have betrayed Jesus? And people wonder about it, but I don't think it's that unclear. I think the scripture is very clear. You know, he he complained. There there was this woman who used this incredibly expensive, it was valued at over a year's salary, perfume, and poured it over Jesus' feet and anointed him. And he was mad because it was not sold and given 
to put into his, his purse because he was the keeper of the money so that it could be used to, you know, supposedly take care of the poor. And this is what it says in John 12. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. His treasure was not Jesus Christ. You could be around Jesus Christ. You could be around our church your whole life and not treasure Jesus above everything else. And I guarantee you, you're probably not going to hang yourself like Jesus did, like Judas did. But it's very easy to betray someone that is not your treasure. And it's incredibly, excruciatingly difficult to betray the one you treasure more than anything else. Do you treasure Jesus Christ above anything? That practically relates to some of the things that we're going to be talking about next week. And also, I just want to jump into a little now, and that's sacrificial giving. You know, we talk about giving our first fruits, our, our tithes, our 10%. The whole, the whole purpose of that is not that God needs money. He doesn't. He doesn't need anything. Matter of fact, he owns everything. So whether you think you own it or not, you're a little deceived. He owns everything, right? So why does he ask us to do it? So that we treasure him first. Because when you seek first his kingdom, you get everything. And when you don't, you don't, right? And so he asks us to do it. But then he asks us even more. Will you sacrificially give? It is inconvenient to give sacrificially. It is inconvenient to give your first fruits to God. Oh, what I could do with that 10%. How many, how many have ever thought that? Oh, come on, raise your hands. What I could do with that 10%, I can get a new car. It is inconvenient, but it is something that when you give up, then you get a treasure that is not susceptible to rust or destruction or theft because it is an eternal reward. It is an eternal gift. We're moving into a time where we, God is leading us for sure into a time where we must raise over $400,000. We can do that. I was a little worried that that amount was too small for us because it needs to be an amount that's way beyond our ability so we see God do a miracle, right? So I was worried that that was not enough for us. But I think it's a good amount. Let's start with that, okay? Let's start with that. Let's give sacrificially. I'm really excited to see what happens in people's lives because of it. God is on the move. God is on the move. Are you watching? If you are watching, then you would know that you need to adjust your treasures in order to keep in line with Jesus Christ moving us forward. Amen? All right, we're going to have to move quickly through the rest. The next one is um, to keep watch, we need to adjust our timing. Adjust our timing. 
Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself, he, he will dress, he will dress himself to serve, will have them to recline at table, and will come and wait on them. Be dressed and ready. Keep your lamp burning. There is an attentiveness that God is calling us to. It is so easy to think, well, God's not coming today. I could pretty much relax and do other things. This is not what the Lord is saying here. He's saying that we should be a servant that is so ready that when the master is reaching for the door, we are there and open it for him. That's the attentiveness that God is calling us to and adjusting our timing. Keep your lamps burning. It, and it says it will be good for those servants who master finds them watching. Three times it says it. It will be good. It will be good. Do you want good? Then be watching. Be watching. Adjust your timing. Are you ready for what God's going to do? We're getting ready. That's the whole purpose of this sermon, is that as a church, we are choosing to get ready. Are you ready with your timing? You know, there's a, a rich man, and in, 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 right before this section of scripture that we're looking at today, there is a rich man, and, and Jesus is, is, to, is talking about this rich man. He says, here's this guy who, oh, gee, I, I have a great harvest. I should build something, and I should put it all in there. It's like, here's my treasure. This harvest is my treasure, and I'm putting it in. And, and, and wow, that's pretty cool. I love that barn. That's a great barn. And then the next year, the harvest is even bigger. He says, oh, I should really big, build something bigger and put all of this in it. And he puts all of it in, and then he looks at it, and he says, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't have to stress now. There it is. There it is. There's my future. There's my retirement. I don't have to worry about it. I'll eat, drink, and be merry. And that's what he did. That's what he did. And it says about this in in Luke uh, 12, 19, it says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. We don't know. We don't know the timing of God. So as a servant of God, we must be ready. For when he reaches for that door to open that door, you grab it and you open it. And you bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you tell him, Master, I am here. I am here at your bidding. I am ready for you. Tell me what you need. Tell me, lead me, guide me. Are you ready today? Keep watch. Henry Blackaby, I love this quote. He says, find out what God is doing and join him. That's a good quote because it talks about this attentiveness. It talks about keeping watch. 
I have friends in my life that are still waiting for what they want instead of what God wants, and their timing is all off, all off. Next. To keep watch, adjust your theory. This has to do with expectations, and I wanted to use a T word, and it made sense, so we put it in. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. How many times is this talked about in Scripture about the coming of Christ? He just spoke about it just a little earlier. Your life will be required of you, of this farmer who thought he had it all together. But he does it dozens of times throughout the scripture. We do not know when God is coming, whether he's coming for us, whether he's returning for the second coming, or he's coming for us in our death, or he's coming to say, let's go group. Let's go church. We are moving forward. Whatever it is, it's all the same thing. Are we ready? We need to adjust our expectations. And it's, this is the second mention of it being good for the servant to be ready. What do you think? You think it's a good idea? I think keeping watch is a very good idea. I love being in step with God. I hate missing God. I hate missing God. But you know what? Keeping watch is not convenient. The description here is the second or third watch of the night. This is late. This is late, you guys. It is inconvenient. And so we need to change our expectations. There is nothing convenient about following God. Nothing. It goes against all of our flesh instincts. It goes against everything the world tells us to do. But it gives us everything. It gives us the kingdom. So don't look for what's convenient. Don't look for a convenient strategy. You know, an example, another example of this is, is Jesus asking the disciples to wait in the garden and pray. And you know how many times they failed that test? Three times. He said, couldn't you just watch with me for a short time? This is our tendency as people. But God is calling us forward, church. The Adventure Church is moving forward, and he is calling us to keep watch. Will we keep watch with him? What say you? Yes? Yes. Yes. And that means we need to keep on our toes. Keep on our toes with God. You know, the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. With that concept, we have to recognize that we cannot expect God to do it in in our timing or in our way ever. Ever. So we just fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
We trust him. We don't let anything else be a distraction. And so when he tells us what he is about to tell us and he starts grabbing that door, coming home to tell us what to do, we are going to be ready because we are not distracted by anything. We're not distracted by our own expectations. God's going to do it like this. He's going to do it like that. No. No. To keep watch, adjust your target. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? He's really trying to get out of the uh, equation here, right? He's, saying, you know, he's basically saying, you know, is this, is this something that applies to everyone or, or can we just kind of discount it as, as something that's exceptional for, exceptional for certain people in certain times? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servant to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant third time when the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Are you a servant of the Lord? Then it is for you. Peter's trying to get out of it. He's trying to have qualifications for this person that needs to be this ready, even at the second or third watch of the night. So inconvenient to follow God. What is the Lord's answer? You don't have to do this, but you'll be blessed if you do. You'll be blessed if you do. Are we living like this or are we going to be surprised like the farmer and our life will be demanded of us at an unexpected time? Because scripture tells us God is always moving and always arriving in unexpected times. It could be now. It could be now. It could be now. We don't know. So how do we take our stance? Our stance is one on our toes, ready to go. I remember playing tennis, and I actually, that's the one sport I actually was decent at, <laughs> tennis. And, and, and you always have to stay on your toes the entire game. You are never flat-footed in tennis. You have to be on your toes because you never know when that ball's going to come. You have no idea how that ball's coming from the other side, and we have no idea when God is coming to say, okay, let's move. Just like the children of Israel, they were to follow that pillar They were to follow that pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire, and each day, that's how they were led. Last point. Adjust your trustworthiness. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he's not aware of, and it isn't a good thing for him. Delayed timing causes us to decide to look to our own priorities. We get distracted. We start compromising. God isn't moving yet in an area, where, and we don't know about it yet. In your personal life or in our church life, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where our future home is yet. But it, it's so easy to just start going with our own agenda because we're waiting, because we're waiting for God to speak. It is the path of least resistance to start compromising and just think, oh, I know it's inconvenient to follow God. I'll do it later. 
I'll do it later. Character is who you are when no one's looking. And of course, God's always looking, so that's an inaccurate statement. But no person is looking. Character is who you are when no person is looking. Adjust your trustworthiness. God is working on your character to develop you. Amen? So there's a few things that we, that we want to do in order to grow in our keeping watch. The first is our relationship with God. The second is the call of God on our lives. Think about this servant. Think about this servant who, who, who knows his, his master. He has a relationship with his master. And he so eagerly wants to do what he needs to do. And he knows exactly what he is being called to do. Well, we know what we are being called to do. We are a church that releases people in life world dream. If you think you've come to a nice church to hear a nice sermon and and nice worship and you could just come on a Sunday, this is a mistake because everything about our church screams, get up and participate in what God is leading you to do. Amen? It is life world dream. It is the legacy of our senior pastor and it is God's call for us as a church that people would walk in the dream that God has called them to. And so we must do that. We must do that. I'm just going to close with this scripture. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Understand the present time. God is on the move. God is forcefully advancing the kingdom. He has been doing it, and he will be doing it. Are you keeping watch as a part of that? We as a church are calling ourselves to keep watch for God's next move, God's next step. This is to believers, this scripture. Because salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. That's a good way to adjust our timing and our expectations, right? We know that we're going to see God sooner now than when we first believed. How many of you can agree to that? This is thrilling. Why don't you stand with me and we're going to close in prayer. Before we do, I just want to put this one slide on. This is our new Ephesians series. It's going to start in two weeks. It's going to be awesome. Ephesians, God's mysteries revealed. The mysteries of God are revealed in Ephesians in a powerful way. You are really going to be blessed by this series. I encourage you to bring people to it. Jody's having a great time in China. She'll be back. Um, in, in a few days and we're excited to have her back I don't think she has any other trips planned right now yay but we want to respond to this amen 
We want to respond to it. Lord God, we just uh, lift our hands to you right now. If, this is, if, if you want to respond and you want to keep watch as an individual in your life and as someone who is a participant in the life of this church, the Adventure Church, could you just raise your hands to the Lord right now? Lord, we come to you right now. Adjust our trust. Adjust our treasures. Adjust our understanding of your timing to be able to trust you. Adjust our expectations. Adjust our trustworthiness, our character. Lord, we need you, and we want to be ready. We claim this in the name of Christ. I just want to give a chance for those that don't know Christ right now. You just put down your hands. And the scripture that we read today says, the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is everything. It is every hope, every promise. That It is a bigger hope and a bigger promise than you ever could have thought of for yourself. It is forgiveness of sins and restored relationship with God that you cannot have without asking Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. And it is a hope and a future that is beyond our expectations and a love that is indescribable. And while eyes are closed, I just want to give opportunity. If there's anyone here who wants to receive this great gift from our Heavenly Father who created us, the kingdom, everything, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Is there anyone here? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes. Hallelujah. Let's, let's pray this together with those that have raised their hands. All right? Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now, and I look for the kingdom, the great promise that you have of forgiveness of sins and the promises of God that are unwavering and are firmly established because of the cross of Christ. You died on the cross for my sins. And now I ask to forgive my ask you to forgive me and to bring me new life and to restore my relationship so I can be with you forever. Thank you for new life, eternal life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have a great day. Those of you that raised your hands, we'd love to talk with you more. Come forward and we'll talk with you, okay? God bless you. Happy Father's Day.